This message is brought to you from Calon Church. If you want to know more, please check us out online at calon.church. Good morning. Freudian slip, isn't it? You know, offering up his mother-in-law. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Right. No faffing. I'm going to get straight into it. I've got... When I thought about it, I suppose what I'm doing today is a bit of a Bible study, more than just what I think, although that'll be in it as well. When Phil spoke last week, he said that we are all, we are all different, and we are. Personalities are all different, right? And that's fine to keep your personality. You can be different in your personality, but we're also called to be the same. And so my underpinning verse for everything I want to say today is Philippians 2. And you must know what it is. 1 to 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not look into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. It says, your attitude should be like that of Christ Jesus in other versions. This is what I want to concentrate on. Who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That is amazing. He was God, and yet didn't bother about being equal with him when he was on earth. Amazing. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that amazing? And we're told that our attitude should be like that. It's impossible, isn't it? Do you think it's possible? Practically impossible, we think. And it is, for the world out there, impossible. Don't expect the world to behave like this. Don't expect the world to be able to give you Christ. Good as they are, there are good people in this world. But if you own the name of Christ, if you today say you are a born-again Christian, this is possible. Isn't that amazing? That's even more amazing, I think. I think that is phenomenal. That actually is not telling us to be anything we can't be. He's telling us to be something we can be. 
not a must. Bible doesn't use it. The New Testament doesn't use things like must. This isn't the law. You are able to be. You have an ability to be this because you were born again. And last time I spoke, I spoke about birthing Christ into this world. So you know, dead people don't give birth. You have to be alive. I think that's true. And you're all looking at me as if you're shocked at that. But I can assure you, dead people do not give birth to things. You have to be alive. So you have to be born again. Yeah? yeah. And we know we're born again. If you, that's Jesus' word, by the way. You must be born again. That's the word Christ uses. We use words like, you have to be saved. You have to have seen the light, be converted. All these other phrases. It means the same thing. You have to have come to a realization that as a sinner in a, with a sinful nature, you're in need of a savior. Yeah? We all know that, or most of us know that. We're in need of a savior. Not because only of what we do wrong, but because of the very nature that's within us. We own the sin nature. We have, it's called the Adamic nature. It's called the flesh. It's called the old man in scripture. All these things mean the same thing. That nature you have when you're born is sinful. I said, the first thing usually a little baby says is no. Mine. No. So you, you, we are born into it. And so we need to be able to overcome that. And you overcome it through Christ. Yeah? And if it would take far too long to explain all the theology behind born again. But I want to pick out just a couple of things. Being born again is not putting your hands in the air in a meeting and making assent to the knowledge of God. That is not being born again. Right? You can have a response to the gospel and not be born again. Being born again is one single thing. That is, that the Holy Spirit has come to live within you. Then it's called regeneration, is the word, if you want it. It is when God himself, because nothing less than God himself comes to live inside you, if you say you have the Holy Spirit. So God himself lives inside you. And now the miracle of new birth happens. You are made according to Corinthians, a new creation. The only other time that word is ever used, and the word is sozo, to create, to create out of nothing. The only other time it's ever used in Scripture is right up back in the beginning in Genesis, where God created out of nothing the heavens and the earth. That's how great a miracle the Christian is. And you're sitting there, you are Christians. Do you know who you are? Do you actually understand that God himself has come to live inside you? And because of the Holy Spirit regenerating you, you're given a new nature. You're given the nature of Christ. That's what he brings. That's why this is possible. Because your new nature has come in. You're a new creature. With me? And that's phenomenal. That is phenomenal. So you're now given an ability that you never had before. That's what he does for us. He makes me something I could never be 
without him. And now I want to talk to you about what he brings. I want, this is where I want to concentrate. When he comes, he brings two. I'm going to concentrate. He brings a lot of things, but I'm going to concentrate on two. He brings you a present. It's called a gift. And he'll also bring you a bowl of fruit called the fruits of the Spirit. We agree with that? So just like a baby, when this baby is born, they get gifts. And it says, we have a party, we have baby showers. It says, when you become born again, even the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repenteth. That's, that's who you are, and that's what you have got. You have now got a new nature. The new nature is powerful enough to subdue the old nature. Right? It is powerful enough. You have a power that you never had before. This is the power of Christ in me. My new nature that can subdue the sinful nature. Yeah? So I start this. Then we walk it out. That's called sanctification. So you get born again, you get regenerated, now you are sanctified. When we walk out this new nature. So, first thing he brings us, I'm going to start with the fruits. And there's a lot of Bible reading. I'm sorry. Right, fruits, Galatians 5. Now, I'm pretty useless at giving Lee verses. So I can't promise you that what you're going to get up on screen is actually what I want to say. Right? Because every week I give her loads of verses and then I don't use them. Or I'll give her a verse and it's, oh, that isn't what I wanted. I'm thinking down here, I'm going to rack my brain. What does it really say? So I hope I've given her, if it's not, it is me, not Lee. But it is. Look at that. It's the right thing I wanted. Hey! Right. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is what the Holy Spirit drops into your life. These are the seeds you are given when you are born again. All these are now given you. And it's one, it's a fruit, not fruits. Right? It's singular. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. I think that's patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You act out of those, you're fulfilling all the law. Nothing can come against you. Right? Now let's go on, not so nice, to the other part of Galatians, 16 to 22. Right? Yeah. So I say, walk by the Spirit, walk in the fruit of the Spirit now. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. Yes, Romans 7 for us. We don't know I do what I, I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. And the spirit which is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery. What's debauchery? 
Oh, jeez. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Whoa, 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 whoa. Can I just concentrate on one? Drunkenness. I'm only doing drunkenness because it's easy, not because you're drunkards, right? <laughs> I'm not saying this, but this, this is easy to explain. What happens when you get drunk? Pardon? You lose control. So the first fruit that's going to go when you're drunk is self-control. You are not exercising self-control when you're drunk. You do you. <laughs> we, I should say, now us. Well, whatever. Those, them. They do stupid things. Right? Everything. How many people are really brave when they're drunk? Really brave. Yeah, you. They can take on anybody when they're drunk. They can take on anybody when they're drunk, can't they? They can quarrel with everybody, rage at them, fits of anger. How many people get angry when they're drunk? Nasty drunks, yeah? So, yeah, so love, joy, and peace have now gone, aren't they? All these. So the fruit of the Spirit is an evidence. There are other things that happen when you're drunk and you don't know what you're doing. You get into a car and you drive it. Some do, I hope you don't, but some do. But not only that, it makes you very stimulated, shall we say. I'd like to use another word, but I won't be allowed to use that. But you know what I mean, I'm sure, all of you, right? So some terrible things happen. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness have now gone out the window. So drunkenness alone can get rid of all the fruit of the Spirit out of your life. That's just one thing, isn't it? Isn't that pretty awful when you think about it? You lose control and you do things You'd never have done otherwise. Right? That's just one. But let me look at another one for you. Different. Factions. Factions. Dissensions in the church. Divisions in the church. In one of the versions that I read this, because if you go through all of them, it says, these are people, factions who... Let me, let me get it right. Think that everybody's wrong except them in their own little group. And therefore, there'll be wrong doctrine. Now, I've always read it to mean that they think there'll be wrong doctrine out there because people don't agree with them. But when I read around it, it doesn't actually mean that. When you actually have a faction, and a faction, let me put it, it's a group of people that believe they're right. You can have holy huddles, is the other word for them. No holy huddles. They all meet together in the corner in church and they tut, 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 criticizing everything that's going on. Because, of course, if they were doing it, they wouldn't do it quite like that. And the way they would do it would be the right way to do it. Huh? Aren't I right? Yeah. For people who then don't go to church anymore, because no church suits them, 
So, of course, they have this little holy huddle in their house. Because, actually, if all the churches were like them, they would be full. Because they're the ones who are doing it right and you're wrong. And, actually, when it says there will be wrong doctrine, refers to them, not the people they're criticizing. They will get under wrong doctrine. Because they're only listening to their own opinions. And quite frankly, love, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness have all gone by the by because they're sitting in unholy judgment on everybody else. You got me? So this is why if we don't walk in the fruit of the Spirit, we will, I'm afraid, get into that type of thing. Gossipy, judgmental, lacking self-control, angry. We'll all, at some point, give in to it, don't we? This is what happens. But when you walk in the Spirit, these things grow in you. They grow in you. And you have the power to exercise all of those. She's preaching better than me. (laughs) You've, You've got that power now within you, Right? can exercise all the right things. You can subdue the sinful nature. Don't you that? When you're angry, use love. Yeah? When you want to say something unkind about somebody, say something nice. Goodness is lovely. I read it. When you read around it, it says, a belief that a certain goodness permeates everything. You know? You believe that people are good. So you don't listen to the criticisms because the Holy Spirit in you says, ah, don't do a criticism. Don't go near judgment. Think well of them. Speak well of them. If we behaved like this, all of us, corporately, it's what we're called to be. Wouldn't the world take notice of something so radically different in life? Right? A people who want what God wants. And he wants us to walk like this. And he's enabled us to walk like this. We have the power to walk like this. We are given everything. Gone to Ephesians for life and godliness. We're given the Holy Spirit. God himself living within me. I can never say that without thinking, wow, it's phenomenal. But that's who you are if you're a Christian. And this is what you can do if you're a Christian. But there's another part. There are other things that the Holy Spirit gives. So he gives, gives us gifts. Gives us present. So I'm asking you as I go through this, I'm going to ask you before I start, and I'll ask you again when I've finished, do you as Christians use yours? As Christians, if you're not a Christian today, then I'm not challenging you on this. But if you are, do you use your gifts? So what are the gifts? And this is quite long. Bear with me. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are Ephesians 4. And forget now, this is not, you don't choose them yourself. You can't have them because you want them. You can't envy somebody else for theirs and try and get it. They are 
given by the Holy Spirit to you and to me, and he knows every one of us intimately, and he knows exactly what gift is going to suit you. So trying to get somebody else's because you fancy the gift doesn't work. Right? It can only be given by the Holy Spirit. So, the gift of us up there, sorry. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, this is the part. I don't know why I've got right. Ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Right. Um, can you go on, um, Lee, with that? And again. Right. So, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. No argument with that, especially not in the apostolic church. You might argue with it in other churches, but in the apostolic church, we believe in all these five things. Am I right? That's right. Right. Dead right, as Phil says. Good. Right. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Oh, is that it? Sorry. Told you I'd get it wrong at some point. Is it going? Yeah. The same? No, I don't think I've given it to Lee. I said to finish on six. Never mind. So, and then there's Romans 12, verse 6. Right. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep a spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Sorry, share with the Lord's people what you need. Right, we finish that. I've missed out the main one, haven't I? Where is that? Ephesians 5, I can't think. Never mind, we'll get it. Phil will find it and I'll keep talking. In the Old Testament times, the garments of the priests around the bottom of the robe, had bells attached to them. They were sewn onto them. So that when they were in the Holy of Holies ministering, people could hear them, because nobody else could enter the Holy of Holies. It was that holy. Only the high priest. And they had a cord tied around their waist, so that if they stopped tinkling, they'd know that something had happened to them, that they, they might have fallen dead in the presence of God, so they could drag them out, because they couldn't go in to get them. They had to drag them out by the rope. But also, in between the bells, were pomegranates sewn. And when I looked it up, why a pomegranate? So they had bells and pomegranates sewn all the way around their robes. 
And the pomegranate is a very important fruit, apparently. Most of the fruits have a pulp and seeds, and so they feed themselves from the pulp. But pomegranates only have seeds. And it's amazing, it's regarded as an unselfish fruit. There is nothing in it for itself. It's simply to bless others and be a blessing. Have you ever thought of a pomegranate in that way? That it is simply there to be a blessing. But that's where it was tied on the rose of the high priest. Had the pomegranate on it. That's what your gifts are. Your gifts are not given you to bless you. They're given to bless the church. They're there to build up the body of Christ until we all become mature. That's what your gifts are given for. Your gifts are not given so that I can have a hierarchy of of a preacher out the front. You know? And a little gift of doing the coffee out the kitchen. It's a nonsense in the church. There is no hierarchy in the gifts. If the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts among us, he's valued each of us the same. The fact that I do something different to somebody else has nothing to do with value. It's simply to do, because one is the nature of Christ, and this is the works of Christ. The gifts are where we do what Jesus did. Jesus stood as a man with all of the gifts, with everything. You know, he was the apostle, the prophet, the preacher, the teacher, the pastor, the, everything. Wisdom, you know, he, he had it all. We don't have it all in the singular. But as the church, we have everything that Jesus had. And we're to use it in the same way that Jesus used it, for the benefit of others and not for myself. This is what the gifts are about. So, you know, serving, and I think serving is the gift of helps. I might be wrong, but that's what I think. I think serving is one of the named gifts, the gifts of helps. So if you're working in the kitchen, you have a gift of helps. If you come and help, if you support in any way, it's the gift of helps. It's a named gift. All right? So I'd have to ask you, are you using yours? And there are reasons we don't use it. Some, one of them is ignorance. We don't understand or know that we've actually got a gift. But there's another reason, and that is that I'm a bit too. For me personally, the two was, my husband's not, when God called me to speak, my husband's not a Christian. How can I speak? How can I tell people who are sitting there with their husbands, I can't get my husband saved. What right have I got to speak to them? But everybody, there's loads of people in the Bible who make excuses. Moses says, I can't do it, can't talk properly. Jonah said, I can't do it, I like them. (laughs) I'm going to save them, I don't like them. You know? So lots of people, God didn't take any notice of them. He tells Moses, I'll give you somebody who can speak properly. He sends a fish to swallow Jonah. He told me, right, oh, this is what you're going to say. So God doesn't listen to, what, to our excuses in that way. He's empowered you to do it and expects you to do it. So I had to get on with it. 
30 years ago now. But there's another reason. It's the two reason. Too busy, too tired. Too busy, too tired. Or too tired, too busy, too busy, too tired. The two. Isn't it? I'm two. I'm two. How many of you are two? I'm too tired to pray. I'm too tired to attend. I'm too busy, I can't possibly make it. I can't do it. I'm too. That's an excuse, not a reason. I'm sorry, very often. And then there's the other thing of... Um, gone for a minute, but I'll go on. So we have... We make these reasons why we can't do. And so we don't do. And there is another reason, and that is I just can't be bothered. I just can't be bothered. I can't be bothered to go there early on a Sunday morning to give him coffee. I'll take the coffee, but I won't make the coffee. Sorry. Too close to home? So can I challenge you? If you take coffee every week from people who are serving you the coffee every week, can you join the rota and maybe serve coffee once every eight weeks? Because that's all it will take. But you see, sometimes we just can't be bothered to use the gifts. Can't be bothered to be a help. Can't be bothered to read the Bible so that I can preach. Can't be bothered to do all of these things. And the church is impoverished. The church is impoverished. Because all of us together make up Christ. It's all of us together. It's not just the ones with the prominent gifts. It's every single person who supports, who attends, who does, who gives, who visits. All the things that we do in the church. And we're all meant to do it. It's hugely important when a church works together. That's what unity is. That's what unity is. Second thing, don't think too highly of yourselves. Don't you get up there thinking, got it. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me with a microphone. I read years ago, of, um, when I was first starting thinking about the gifts, and it said, if there are two prophets in a town, and one prophet is criticizing the other prophet, think whose prophecy you discount. It's the prophecy of the one who's doing the criticizing. Now that's huge. Because you see, when you're doing the criticizing, you ain't living out of, this, out of the fruit, are you? You're back to that again. The gifts are to be exercised under the fruit of the Spirit. In humility, in love, in peace. So nothing, that's what the pomegranate is all about. It's for you, not for me. I'll bless you. Never mind about me. And you're to, you know, don't consider that you are so important that you've got to have a tap on the back every time you do something for God. We live there. Don't count up the others you put into it. Hmm? So, you, so, so the gifts are amazing. And we're meant to use them as a church. All of you. I don't, I don't know. Do you know what your gift is? Do you want to use it? It's this. 
spiritually important because when you face God, he's going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? Right, so it's unselfish. No hierarchy. Everyone given for the common good to build people up. Right? Tea, coffee, preachers, I'm going through this. You can't choose it. Holy Spirit chooses it. Don't consider yourself more important. And this is, if you're called to do something, and young Abby isn't here today, but as Phil shared in the, in the encounter meeting, young Abby is beginning to put messages together and, and preach, you know. But if that's you, and if you think you could, get a mentor. Get somebody who's been there before you, because they don't happen overnight. You know, babies take a long time to develop in the womb. And if you want to birth something of God, then it might take a bit of time. Don't think that because you're told you've got a preaching gift, that it's going to be perfected overnight. So, as we come to the end of this, I just want to set it up. Because what I really want to speak on is, the next time I speak, is this journey that we're on. But see, you can't enter the journey until you understand who you are. You can't walk that narrow path, which is what it's called. And I'm, I know journey path. I'm, bear with me. I'm trying to think of the right uh, word. But you, you can't walk this walk until you know who you are. You can't walk it correctly because there's going to be some snares on it. And I've called the next part pit stops, holdups, and crashes. Because that's what you will get on the path. So unless you're rooted in the fruit of the Spirit so that your reaction and your actions are what God wants it to be, and unless you know your gift and are using it to bless others, you will find that on all, every part of the way on this path there are going to be divergences that you can go off on. And you may find yourself off on the wrong path. Off on the wrong path. So for today... Know that your attitude should be like that of Christ Jesus. You know, no pride, just humility, serving. Christ came to serve, and he served, and I feel sure that if he was here, he'd be making the coffee. Now, when I came here, the first time I came here, and I've got to say this, I, I, I came here from somewhere else, and I wanted to see something. And I told God, I want to see servanthood modelled, not just talked, not just taught. And when I walked in, it was Phil that was frying the bacon that day. Now, there was a rote day, he didn't do it every week. But that particular day, it was Phil frying the bacon to make bacon sandwiches for people. And I came in here, it was Phil on a guitar up here. I don't think you spoke that day, but I, I think you might have led. And I thought to myself, servanthood is modelled as well as taught. And that's what people want to see. It's not coming into church and everybody else having to do. I think people come in and see the attitude, the character, and the gifts of Jesus, the power of Christ modelled in that way that we serve others in every conceivable way 
and we're never too big to do that. So in Jesus' name, amen. This message is brought to you from Callan Church. We pray that it encourages and inspires you.